Hello, my fellow ortho enthusiasts, and welcome to the Seaview Ortho Podcast, where we cover everything orthopedics to get you back to quality living. I am your host, Layla Jabbar, and you are joining us for Episode 2, Season 2. Today, we are going to be breaking the ice and talking hockey. Listen in to hear all about the common hockey injuries and prevention tips. Much like a rink, this episode will be very cool. On this episode, we are joined by Seaview Ortho's very own Dr. David Junkin from our sports medicine team. Dr. Junkin is a board-certified orthopedic surgery specialist and specializes in arthroscopy of the knee, shoulder, and ankle, including ACL reconstruction and rotator cuff repair. He also performs joint preserving and joint replacement procedures for arthritis of the knee and shoulder, including reverse total shoulder replacements. He is also the team physician of our friends, the New Jersey Titans of North American Hockey League. And our very special guest today is Jim Dowd. Jim is the first and only New Jersey native to win the NJSIAA Ice Hockey High School State Championship in 1986 with Brick High School, an NCAA D1 National Ice Hockey Championship with Lake Superior State University in 1988, and a Stanley Cup in 1995 with the New Jersey Devils. Jim played 17 years in the NHL, and he owns a nutrition business. He also does performance mindset coaching for youth athletes. Jim has been married for 26 years and has two sons, Jimmy Jr. and Anthony. Hello to the family. <laughs> All right. So we know hockey is a collision sport, and you can expect a higher risk for injury. For players, parents, and coaches alike, it is important to be aware of the most common injuries that can happen on the ice. Since there are so many injuries that can happen in a hockey game, we are only going to focus on four of the common ones. And since I'm even sick of my own voice at this point with those long introductions, I'm going to pass it to the experts. Jim, many of the collisions that cause, we're going to start with separated shoulders. So many of the collisions that cause a separated shoulder, um, do you, do you see this injury a lot as a coach? Is it from getting checked? Like, is it something that you see a lot on the ice? Well, that's a good one to start with, being that I had both of my shoulders done. So, uh, do to man, <laughs> yeah, very common one. Uh, I had my rotator cuff done on the ball and socket in '94 slash '95. You know, it was sub, it was subluxing. I went to Lake Superior State University from '87, '88 to '90, '91, and uh, it for the last my two years, my junior and senior year, it would sublux, come in and out. I was using a harness, and then I signed pro. And for my first two years. Actually, the first three years. So for five years, it was subluxing. And then it got to the point where, you know, I was falling asleep in a chair like this and it would be out. So I eventually had to get that done. But it's a very common injury in hockey. And I had my labrum done uh, in 05, 06. So wow. yeah, very, very common shoulder injuries, especially in a sport like hockey. Is that typically from like getting checked? Like, what is that usually from? Yeah, most likely from reaching for the puck, getting hit in an awkward way. Or I remember I was playing with the Chicago Blackhawks. We were playing the Calgary Flames. I was coming down my off wing. I'm a right-handed shot. So I was going to the left wing boards. And it, one of those, <clears throat> you know, I knew I was going to get hit. And if I, if you pull up, you know, you're going to hear it from the other team, you know, mm. uh, not too nice words, but uh, <laughs> I, I, had, I had to go in and take the hit and he just crunched me awkward. Dion Phaneuf, one of the biggest hitters at the time. And, and that yeah. I finished the season out, you know, but I eventually had to get my labrum done, but basically, you know, from, from getting checked or just being in an awkward situation. Mm, wow. And Dr. Junkin, as a, as a surgeon, is hockey one of the more common sports to see this type of injury? Shoulder uh, injuries are very common in hockey, as uh, Jim was alluding to. Uh, and most of it is from the you know, collision 
nature of the sport, particularly when the player goes into the boards. Separated shoulders typically occur when the shoulder gets depressed. The, it's, you know, player goes into the boards almost head first, mm. striking the shoulder, having the arm driven down. And then uh, the uh, joint at the top called the acromioclavicular joint is what is damaged, not the ball and socket joint. Uh, and then the collarbone can stick up. Very common. Fortunately, that injury, though common, doesn't typically cause a lot of loss in playtime. Oh, really? Wow. There's different uh, uh, stages of the injury. There's uh, grade one, which is very minor, all the way up to grade six. But really, the ones we really see are basically grade one through three. Three is a complete separation of the joints. And even with that, uh, in uh, the NHL level, many of the players get back within three weeks after that injury. Typically, if it's a more advanced injury, then you can have more muscle injury that causes pain, and that could lead to surgery. We try not to do that in the high-level athletes because they miss a whole year, not just a season. They can miss a whole year with these type of injuries because it just takes that long to, to rehab and regain the strength, and more importantly, that area to heal. So that treatment plan is really going to be dependent on the severity of how. Oh, absolutely. You know, you and Jim might even be able to to, uh, test this, but you can go into a hockey uh, locker room. You see all the players have these AC joint injuries with elevated collarbones. Um, You know, so hockey, football, uh, lacrosse, we see on a lot lot of the collision sports. That definitely makes sense. And um, not to scare any hockey players, but do these type of repetitive injuries cause arthritis down the road for these athletes? Typically not in that joint. Uh, Ooh, arthritis to the end of the collarbone is extremely common. Pretty much everybody gets it uh, through age. Uh, but the injuries to the what we call the glenohumeral joint, the ball and socket, that's a whole different matter. Mm. So, sure, if there's an injury to that joint, uh, you know, labral injuries are very common as well because it's a distracting injury. It's the nature of the sport, the, again, the collision. Uh, and, you know, anything that involves surgery of the joint can uh, open the possibility of arthritis down the line. So, Jim, since you had both of your shoulders done, how are your shoulders feeling these days? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like the, my right shoulder, no problem whatsoever. That was just the ball and socket. And, uh, you know, Doc was re- exactly right that they try to avoid surgery. You do as much rehab as you can without doing surgery. And then it gets to a point where eventually you need it. But I was back within actually eight weeks playing. You know, wow. that was back in 94, 95. That was just the ball and socket, though. I mean, and I was with the New Jersey Devils at the time. I think I didn't go to rehab for one day, you know. Um, but right shoulder has been great ever since the labrum, you know, I had that done in 05, 06 when I was with the Colorado avalanche. Um, and that's that healed fine as well. You know, the biggest key is when you're rehabbing, just don't miss. I mean, it's a little different when you're a pro athlete. I mean, you mm-hmm. have it all right there at your fingertips, you know, right. you're going every single day, you know, you're basically on a schedule and you can't miss. Um, that was one of the benefits, obviously, of being a, a pro athlete, but there's tons of people and I've referred plenty of people to, to see you over the years. And the biggest thing I say is whatever you're getting surgery, just don't miss rehab. They put you on a schedule. Do not miss because you'll just put yourself, you know, it's like missing an accounting class for one day. You miss one day <laughs> behind, behind a week. Right. Being compliant is so important. So we're going to move down the body. Um, groin pulls, groin strains account. Yeah, they, and, and the funny thing is I played soccer, so I read the statistic. Uh, groin strains actually account for 10 to 11% of all injuries of professional ice hockey and soccer players throughout the world. 
So I'll propose this question to both of you. Why do we think this is so common in hockey specifically? Um, just because it's, it's what you're using and what you're, you're skating the whole time. That's what you're doing. You're constantly, and, and you know, it's your, and soccer as well, because you're, you're constantly going left. You're constantly going right, forwards, backwards, all over the place. Those quick movements. And, you know, the one thing uh, I've learned over the years too with that is just you have to rest up. Do not try to come back really from a groin injury or you'll set yourself back big time. And Randy McKay, for those Devils fans out there, he ended up missing almost half a season one year when it only should have been probably a month and a half because he kept trying to come back too early. Yeah, it's strictly the nature of the stop and start, you know, and any any sport that's high speed, like soccer and hockey, planning, turning direction, you know, whether you're on skates or, you know, using cleats on turf, it's, it's just the nature of the movements. And then there's a lot of stress in those muscle groups. Uh, they're, they're large muscles. You know, people can easily uh, have injuries to those as a result. Um, you know, in younger, younger athletes, you can even see an, uh, the occasional bony avulsion, but that's, that's more in the, the young athlete that's still growing. Uh, but, yeah, these injuries can be devastating to uh, the athlete and just take a long time. And like Jim said, I, I, I tell patients right away, this is going to take longer than you hope. And do not push it, otherwise you will miss more of the season. Oh, certainly. I can attest to this with my soccer injuries. It seemed to be um, the one that you think you're going to be able to come back from in a couple weeks and you tweak it and you're just right at square one all over again. And I don't even think mine was very serious. It's just like these minor ones even take forever. So in speaking about severity, um, how would a patient be treated for this, you know, if it was a more severe groin pull? Well, just regardless of the severity, mm -hmm. it's first rest. Right. You know, muscles, uh, you know, first when the first happens, you want to ice the area down. There's going to be a lot of swelling in that muscle. And, there, and there's going to be potential little bleeding, too. We want to make wow. sure that uh, we get that uh, under control. And that's why people have bruising. It's this bleeding of the muscle from the muscle fibers wow. tearing themselves. Um, and that... You know, the worse severity, the more bruising potentially, and the more the muscle is then damaged. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's shutting it down for a good 48, 72 hours, mm. sometimes longer if the severity is higher. Uh, and then, then you start introducing heat and gentle stretching, gentle motion. And I stress the word gentle. Um, you know, the mistake with muscle injuries is people start moving that body part way too soon, and it's just not ready, and then it just sets them back. And certain muscles, too, you can't move too soon because the, there are other conditions that can develop, which would be more devastating. So realistically, coming back too soon from this, really anything under four to six weeks, for you would have a very high potential of re-injury. Well, yeah, well, again, it, it, there's, there's the minor kind of... I stretch the muscle and it's in your, you know, you need a couple days to a week to, yeah, it could be a uh, season-ending injury. So there's a large uh, scale of uh, injury when it comes to this. But uh, we're, al you know, we're always cautious. Patient has to be pain-free for pursuing, uh, you know, athletic activity. I am curious. I'm just, this is just a question that pops into my mind. Is it more common in males or females? Is it? Not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, we see it a lot in the, you know, athletes like hockey and soccer mm -hmm. just because of the demand on that athlete. So the lower extremities, uh, for the most part, are some of the strongest muscle groups in their bodies. Now, and as a whole, that's that's true. But then you talk about these athletes that are skating and running, that these are very large muscles. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just they it can take its toll and take time to recover. Right.
All right, we're going to keep moving down the body. What do we think is next? Knees. Knees. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually going to specifically focus on the MCL knee injuries. So, Jim, as a coach and being around hockey for so long, do you feel like you almost have a sixth sense or that you can tell the severity of an injury taking place while you're watching it happen? With the knee, you ju- you're hoping and praying that it's not exactly like you're talking about the ACL, you know, the, M- the right. The, if you're going to hurt one doc, right. The better one to hurt is the MCL, right? That is correct. That's correct. Yeah. And I yeah, typically heals very reliably. Yes. The ACL, that's the tear that guys are out for 12 months, you know, the whole season. Yeah, They're, they're out. Yeah. You know, yeah. With hockey, they would be, they'd miss a whole year. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, when, when you, you can tell when it happens a lot in hockey because it's such a fast-moving sport and a lot there's a lot of knee-on-knee by accident. You know, there mm-hmm. are some that's on purpose, you know. Uh, um, but, yeah, that's pretty common. And I only had one MCL little sprain, and I couldn't believe it. It was in Madison Square Garden. They're known for terrible ice there. <laughs> really? Yeah, a lot of ruts in the ice. Great place to play. You know, it's wow. New York City. But, uh, I remember playing there when I was with the Minnesota Wild, and I – caught a rut and I couldn't believe it. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I never had a knee injury in my life. And I missed about, I missed three to five weeks, the M- minor mm-hmm. MCL sprain. And that's another one of those doc where you just, there's really, it's just going to take time, you know, let the, the swelling go down and start your little rehab with the bands and all that. And it was literally three to five weeks and I was back and no problems ever since then. Wow. Yeah, they, they've done a lot of research on the MCL. It's the most common uh, ligament injury of the knee. Uh, there's now more of an accelerated uh, rehab protocol. We used to really guard uh, the individual and, and prevent uh, weight-bearing, but we're now beginning early weight-bearing. And it depends on what uh, facilities they go to to recover. You know, aquatic therapy has just been wonderful, the MCL, because you can get them walking, you know, in, a, you know, in water, whether they have the buoyancy of the water to reduce the stress. Um, but most importantly, it's just avoiding the stress on that ligament. And again, the severity is anywhere from what we describe as a grade one through three, where a one is just a minor stretch, a two is a partial tear, and a three would be a complete tear. The medial collateral ligaments uh, most commonly tears uh, at the origin off the femur. Uh, fortunately, that's very reliable in healing. There, are, there can be an injury elsewhere in that ligament, which can be more detrimental and even require surgery. But fortunately, that's l- less common. When you talk about the other ligaments of the knee, you know, the ACL, uh, not as common in hockey just because of the nature of the sport. The, you know, the, the, the knee is basically bent, this, the skating. You see it more where an individual has to plant and change like soccer or football, basketball. Um, you know, so it, it's just the nature of the sport. You know, the other ligaments of the knee are, are, uh, injuries are fortunately extremely rare. So MCL versus ACL, how long is the difference of when an athlete would be out for? When ACL is going to require repair or reconstruction. Right, okay. It's it's a surgical treatment uh, where an MCL is in isolation, very rarely needs surgery. You know, you're talking a minimum of six to eight weeks typically. Um, And that's for the grades one and, and twos. Uh, the, the grade threes, which is the complete tear that could take a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, we, you know, really restrict the individual for at least a week or two and then, then get moving pretty quickly, depending on the extent of the injury. It's just so interesting because I had no idea that, I mean, in soccer, you could like twist your ankle on the field, but I had literally no idea that there were injuries from the ice in hockey. That is something I had no idea about. So learn something new today. Thank you, Jim. Seaview Sports Medicine is a division of Seaview Orthopedics. With our team of fellowship-trained, highly specialized orthopedic surgeons, 
and primary sports medicine doctors, we treat all level of athletes and the athlete in all of us. If you or someone you know suffer from an injury or you're looking for a consultation for a concussion, schedule an appointment online at cbortho.com or 732-660-6200. And we're going to move down the body to uh, the fourth most common injury that can occur during hockey. So ankle sprains, which blew my mind because I was convinced that the skates supported the ankle. And I guess that's a misconception. I'm not alone in this thought process. I did not play hockey, but I always thought that your ankles were supported. So Jim, um, this is probably, you know, something that you see often, but like how often would you say in your athletes that you're seeing sprained ankles? Um, yeah, quite a bit in hockey because again, all the stopping and starting, you know, you're going into the corners, you're cutting back, you got it, you're battling with uh, another person and it's just, it's, it's, it's more common than you think. And or you lose an edge or you're going into the corner really hard. You go to turn, you lose an edge, you slide into the boards. And the first thing you do is you put your feet to brace yourself. Right. You know, so that's right. very common in hockey. Interesting. And is there any support? Like we used to tape our ankles in soccer. Do they do that for hockey as well? Um, you don't need to. I mean, you know, it's some guys do, but very rarely. Uh, that's that's old school hockey. Guys old used to school. tape their ankles, but I don't. I, I honestly don't think there's anybody that tapes their ankles anymore in hockey. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, taping has uh, been proven to be ineffective. Great. So, so all of you, my trainers were in a, like it, not doing the right thing. <laughs> usually by the time the athlete is done warmups, the tape is rendered ineffective. Wow. Very interesting. So what do they do now? Do they do anything? Bracing has proven to be very effective because the, the difference is with a brace, you know, these lace up braces, a little hard to fit in a skate, but you can, you can work around that, um, can be adjusted throughout the, the game. Okay. Whereas tape, you you know, it, once it's kind of loses its effectiveness, then you got to retape. Right. Okay. Uh, you just can't do that on the fly like you can with the tape. Now in hockey, uh, you we do see a different type of ankle injury. It's more that high ankle sprain, which uh, uh, Jim, you could probably uh, yeah, high ankle sprain, very common, and guys get so annoyed by that because another one, there's really nothing you can do but rest. Yeah, that's that's a much longer recovery process. It's a uh, it's a different ligament complex in the ankle. Uh, the more common injury are the ligaments on, along the outside of the ankle, uh, and you know people can recover in a matter of a few weeks from those, depending again on the severity. The high ankle sprain, if it's severe, it could require surgery because it's a tearing of the ligament. It's a separation of the bones. Too right, doc. The guys get so annoyed at that they think they're going to come back in no time, and it's like. Another week, another three days, another five days. Now, there, there's bracing for the high ankle injury, which I have found pretty much ineffective uh, for running sports, but it's been somewhat effective for hockey, and that's, again, because of the skate. Mm. does provide the added uh, protection. But the difference in that injury, instead of the ankle rolling, which is the traditional injury, it's actually a twisting of the ankle. So it's, uh, it's not the, the connection between the the leg bones and the foot it's actually a connection of the two leg bones at the base of the of the leg oh, wow. at the ankle just above the ankle that's why we call it a high ankle high sprain ankle okay uh and so when you bear weight those ligaments being damaged the 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 tibia and the fibula bone can separate uh if the if the injury is severe enough so that's why that's typically a surgical intervention if it is that severe and how would a coach or a parent or an athlete know um, the difference between a high ankle sprain versus a regular ankle sprain? Well, off, 
you know, off the bat from the initial evaluation, a lot of times it, it doesn't have as much swelling. Okay. The pain's in a different location. It's a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so yeah, the, the trainer should be able to identify it because of the location of where the individual hurts. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times you're able to witness the event and say, all right, is this, you know, an ankle rolling or was this a more of a twisting the foot rotating out exteriorly, which would uh, lead to more of the high ankle sprain. Now, if they have pain up by their knee or below their knee, that's where you worry that they have a, now a fracture above, uh, which is called a Mason new fracture. And that, that's usually more severe because now they have a fracture above and, and then the ankle ligaments are typically then torn and they require surgery. Excellent. And um, we're going to move just to a few more questions here, um, but I'm going to propose these to both of you and we're going to move away from the top four body parts or bodily injuries. Um, so both coaches and physicians take a role, obviously, in injury prevention. Um, so I'll propose this to both of you. How are athletes educated in injury prevention? Well, uh, yeah. All right, I'll go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we talk about this all the time. And, you know, and I have kids that come in, you know, once they've recovered or, you know, or the parents, you know, it's usually how do we prevent this from happening again? Now, again, it depends on which body part you're talking about. You know, there's numerous strategies for the ACL. There's numerous prevention programs, and they've proven to be very effective. The important thing is making sure the athlete is ready for participation. They have to be in shape. It's that simple. When do most of the injuries occur? Preseason. Because they come in, you know, now the, the higher level athlete's going to know to be prepared to get in there. But, you know, we see with the, the high school level kids, they take the summer off. Mm. Then they go right into the sports camp and they all come in with all these, you know, overuse injuries. Mm -hmm. And then, then they're more prone to having these acute injuries like the ones we talked about because they're just not ready. Um, so they have to, you know, maintain a level of fitness and then slowly increase that level of fitness. And then even in season, you have to maintain a, f a certain fitness level. Now, obviously, like a sport like hockey or soccer, you're constantly doing that. But there's other sports, you know, football, for example, you have to keep lifting. You have to, you know, you don't lift off season, then you just stop when you get in the season. No, right. you're not going to maintain your muscle tone. Um, but it really depends on the uh, the body part you're, you're talking about. But it's, it really comes down to preseason preparation then maintenance in season and jim um do you guys at your facility take uh, an active role in like injury prevention and you know teaching the athletes i don't know you know either after they have the injuries or prior to the injuries what they can do to like stretching anything like that yeah, they have a great facility over there, the Sports Performance Lab. Andrew Watkins runs it's that. It's beautiful, by the way. I have toured it. It is state-of-the-art. Beautiful facility, and they're so far ahead of the game. I mean, I'm 54 years old. It's night and day from when I grew up, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to now. And Doc as well. You know, I don't know how old you are, Doc, but I'm not saying. <laughs> but it really is <laughs> nice. years younger than you. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it, Doc said, it's, it's, you've got to come into shape. I mean, you used to go to training camps to get into shape. Now, if you're if you're going there to get into shape, I mean, heads up because everybody's flying from day one. Mm -hmm. And for hockey, are you, are your kids like full year? No, my, my boys, well, now they are. I mean, my oldest son, he's a junior at Penn State playing hockey. Um, wow. He's going to do a senior next to my youngest son, Anthony's out in the USHL. It's the top junior league in the country with the Chicago Steel, and he's going into ASU next year as a freshman. Oh, awesome. He's got to be out. Yeah, so he's got to be out there for a month 
all the freshmen have to come in for a month to train specifically with the uh, strength coaches out there. And then he gets to come home for three weeks and then go back out. So basically going into their freshman year, they have three weeks of summer. I mean, that's how much things have changed over the years. You know, again, I went to Lake Superior, 87, 88 was my freshman year. I just had to show up, you know, September (laughs) 2nd or something like that. Yep. I remember very vividly showing up. I mean, high school and D3 college, but it it literally was vomiting on the side of the field because we were just not in shape (laughs) and we were trying our summer conditioning practices. And it was, uh, yeah, I wish someone had told me then I probably wouldn't have listened, but I wish someone had told me then to stay in shape all summer. (laughs) I was guilty of it when I played football in high school. I got shin splints every football camp. I remember Uh, those. (laughs) Oh God, brutal. Yeah. And yeah, it's just yeah, you get there and after the first day you get up the, the next morning and you can't even get out of bed mm-hmm. and you're what, 16, <laughs> 17 years old? Yeah. No, that's you know, we got to stress, you know, we stress to the kids, you just can't let that happen. Don't do what I did. No, exactly. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. I mean, it's amazing that they don't really have to, I mean, not have to worry about the same things, but that has to technology and education has come so far where, you know, they are getting educated better. I mean, it's everything. And the level of competition is just going up exponentially it's just yeah i you know i'm glad i'm not same. <laughs> man I got, it was same. a lot easier back then for us we had a lot of fun but, yeah yeah back then back then you showed up someone's father coached you or you know yep. mom coached you, whatever sport it was you showed up they taught you to work hard be on time and that was it go home and keep your mouth shut that was basically it it wasn't full year it wasn't you know you played football and football season wrestling and wrestling mm-hmm. season hockey and hockey season baseball you know it was you know, I think soccer was the first sport actually that was that went year round. You know, yeah. And, you know, by little, I mean you got fall baseball now. You got spring. I mean, spring hockey right now is just as popular as winter hockey. Right. You know? right. Um, but still, you know, it's. I truly believe it's good to take some time off of whatever you're doing. Well, because we've talked about this with like baseball, how you get those like repetitive injuries that can't be good for the kids, especially with their growth plates and growing. Sports specialization is it's the age is dropping uh, significantly. And as a result, we're seeing significant uh, injuries. Uh, Yeah, it is recommended that kids play three different sports throughout the year if they want to play year round and have, you know, two, three months of no sports. How many kids are doing that now because it's gotten so competitive? Baseball is a g- great example because of the mechanics of throwing. You have these young kids, you know, they're playing sometimes on two, three teams at one time, and they're trying to pitch for all these different teams. It's just, it's insane what we're seeing. Uh, and, you, you know, I tell them, you know, you, you, you got to shut down. You know, if you want to pitch when you're in high school, right. can't be doing this while you're in middle school. And forget high school. I mean, you're talking oh, like yeah. your college career. What does that even look like if you're pitching in middle school, you know? Yeah, well, a lot of these young athletes, I, you know, my, one of my first question is, what is your ultimate goal? Do you plan on playing your sport, collegiate level, and maybe even beyond? Yes, well, then you take care of yourself now. You know, right. well, Grant, you should, you know, you should take care of yourself now regardless, but... You know, you got to be, you got to think more long term, which is really hard with a uh, young athlete. You yeah. know, it's, it's, I got to get to the, I got to get ready and be back for the next game. Exactly. And you, you can know. tell a young person anything today. It doesn't mean, I mean, I had to experience a lot of things to actually understand much later in life. But if you had told me when I was 16, I wasn't going to listen to yeah. anyone. Yeah. Well, I always tell them it's better to miss one game than half a season or this a whole season. So I'll ask Jim this. So what is the, old school, not so much the new school with kids starting younger, but what is the typical um, lifespan of a hockey player? Like what is the career length usually? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, let's start with professionally. I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure baseball, football, basketball, hot, all the, you know, pro sports leagues, probably on average, it's about four years for each sport, you know? I, I always thought hockey players were a little bit older. Am I, is that a misconception? It, well, no, actually, it used to be that way. Now it's a young young man's league because the way they changed the, uh, the collective bargain agreement and all that, there's more young kids than ever now. I mean, wow. I was fortunate to play till I was 40, but that's sort of unheard of, you know? Mm-hmm. So guys are getting up into their their early 30s, mid 30s, and they're done now. Whereas before it used to be a veteran, the NHL used to be a veteran league. If you had more than one rookie on your team, that was a lot. You know, you had to wow. put your time in in the minor leagues and work your way up. But there's more young kids than ever now. And that it's because it's the business side of hockey. Right, right. Which it seems to be the way in a lot of professional sports. So uh, one final question for the both of you. Seaview, uh, as I stated before, is the official orthopedic provider of the New Jersey Titans and Middle St- Middlesex, I'm sorry, Middletown Sports Complex. What is the importance of teams having this kind of relationship with physicians? Why is it important for the complex and the teams? And why is it important for the physicians? I mean, it's it, how is that relationship important to both? I guess I'll start. I'll let Doc finish. Mm-hmm. I think it's great because when you know you can trust a, a place like Seaview, you know what I mean? And the access that we have right away, boom, we could just bring kids over there just right off the bat. And the success that we've had working with you guys is, is second to none, you know, it's you. the comfort factor too, you know, where the kids that are new there. Cause I mean, they have the Academy there, kids from all over the country, actually all over the world are coming to play hockey there now. And for them to know it's part of our, you know, um, part of our recruiting package that, Hey, here's our exclusive, you know, orthopedics, CV orthopedics. It's just for the mindset too of people to have that. And again, awesome. it's about with the relationship and the success that we've had there. You guys are easy partners to have too, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, it really comes down to relationships and communication. The the fact that you know we have such a strong relationship means that you know a kid gets injured, you know we get to we'll, we'll get them in and see them right away. There's right. just no, no no question. They you bring them in even the same day. I've seen many hockey players the same day. You know within you know an hour or so of even going down on the ice. So you know it's. It's nice, you know, I make myself available, you know, because I enjoy doing it. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's a continuity of care issue as well, uh, you know, so we can follow up on these kids. And, you know, more importantly, you know, they're down in the, the coaches, the trainers are in the trenches. They like, know oh, I can pick up the phone call so-and-so and, and the kid's taken care of. Right. And not have to worry about that. So it, it de- decreases stress level on their part too. Right. You know, I couldn't imagine if they had an injured athlete and they go, well, now what do we do? Just go to the ER? We're going to sit in the ER for an hour or so. Now we can bypass that a lot. And I'm sure that reduced time also helps in. Oh, absolutely. You know, when it comes to an athlete, time is of the essence. Excellent. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you to our guests for this episode, Dr. David Junkin from CV Orthopedic Sports Medicine Team. To learn more or to book an appointment with Dr. Junkin, visit our website at cvortho.com. And thank you to Jim Dowd, our performance and mindset coach of the New Jersey Titans, a wonderful guest today. And as always, a huge thank you to our listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the CV Ortho podcast and share with other ortho enthusiasts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at CV Ortho or like us on Facebook for all the CV Ortho fun, as well as updates on upcoming episodes. Get up, get moving, and get back to quality living with CV Orthopedics.